Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining me this week on Tia Time. We'll get to the show in just a moment. First, I wanted to say thank you to all of you who have posted a rating on Apple Podcast. Apple Podcast is an app that can be downloaded to your phone or computer. The algorithm it uses allows more artists and art enthusiasts like yourselves to hear about the show. So if you haven't posted a rating yet, do it now. Thank you. On with the show. Welcome to Tia Time with Artists, the weekly podcast where we discuss the methods, challenges, and real-life experiences of living our creative dreams. What kind of creative warrior are you? Musician? Filmmaker? Painter? Choreographer? Poet? Sculptor? Fashionista? Let's talk about it right now. I'm your host, Tia Imani Hanna. Today's guest on Tia Time with Artists is musician, educator, producer, and creator of the Emmy-nominated program for children, Mr. E in the D. That's Emmanuel Smith. His goal is to equip today's youth with the character and academic habits necessary for them to be responsible citizens. Welcome, Emmanuel. So, it's Tia Time! Thank you so much for coming to do this with me. This I really appreciate it. I've been hearing good things about you and seeing you online and hearing your music and stuff. So I was just like, oh, I got to have him on the show. <laughs> Likewise, I was about to reach out to you for my little mini episodes. Fantastic. Okay, let's do a little history. Teaching, music, where did the fascination start? Music first, teaching second. What was the first you know, what was the first thing that got you started? Was there a memory when you were a little small child? Or? So I would say most definitely okay. music first. So music was always around, of course, mm-hmm. from, I always thought it was norm. I thought it was a norm, like people like, okay, Christmas Eve, everybody has like a big musical at a family member's house until I got married. And that's a long time, but until I got married and my wife came over to the house, to Aunt Cleo's, and she was like, your family does this every year? I've never experienced anything like this before in my life. I was like, what? This is what you're supposed to do. Doing it since I was a kid. Yeah, music has just always played an influential, huge part from just, I guess even as I've gotten older, like understanding the connection from family to music. Ah, I come from a, a rich musical family. And this sure. is why I, like TV shows, the theme song would stand out to me more than the song. And just like all of those things, but I made the connection. I believe I was third grade and I was having problems with my multiples of threes. At the time okay. I was playing the trumpet for school or I had a trumpet. My uncle Mario he gave me his trumpet. I was interested in the trumpet. And my sister, I think she played the violin at that time. Okay. And she was like, make up a song about the threes and we'll record it. Okay. And to this day, I remember that song, but that was like my first connection of learning on my own because Vintage PBS taught me all of that cool stuff with music and learning and sure. uh, alphabet was alphabet people and schoolhouse rock. That was always a merge for me. So did you have Zoom and that might be my generation. We had Zoom 
and then I remember the theme song for Zuma. I want the Zuma, Zuma, Zoom. Yeah, that was the best show ever. You know, yep. and uh, Morgan yep. Freeman on the Electric Company. Yeah, the Electric Company. Yeah. yeah. You and know. that, that theme song was out But yeah. then all of the music that went along with it, but it was so progressive. You know, where it was like they were dealing with simp songs. It was just like one thing that I really appreciated back then was that they they put a part of their spirit into their music. It wasn't just, oh, we're making some songs for kids. Right. You know, right. It, it could just sound like this. But they were like making some, like, some jams. Yeah. You know, for the kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Schoolhouse Rock was one of my favorites. Bob DeRoe, amazing jazz singer. That stuff was great. Hey, little 12 toes. It's like that. What was it? Uh, Conjunction Junction. All those kinds of things. Now you're doing similar things like that now. So all that, you know, with your, what's the, the, I forget the name of the project. What does yeah, so I have I have two projects. The first one is Mr. E and the D. Yep, mixtape. Yep, okay. That's kind of an old two. got meshed into your psyche and turned into this new thing that's hip and cool and kids would listen to and i was listening to it yeah this i could listen to this and this isn't gonna drive me insane that's the goal yeah yeah that's (laughs) That's really very very cool i'm glad to hear that that's the goal Um, yeah it can be a family engagement tool where we can Mm -hmm. all sit down and listen to it together and we can all learn something have fun or all dance and it's not all oh, turn this off at least you get you can listen to it a few times or halfway through at least and you won't right. catch a headache hopefully <laughs> yeah and with kids you have to listen to it a lot of times yeah so yep. <laughs> a lot of times <laughs> most definitely <laughs> so was it becoming apparent that drove you to do more of this kind of work or was it the teaching first because so you became a teacher before you had kids right so was it the teaching first can you tell me the progression of how that came about okay Uh, i'm gonna give you the short version so i started out with my graduated i got a job with the detroit youth choir which was supposed to be like a hybrid of the boys choir of harlem Mm. 
and I got a job as being a mentor. Like he okay. asked if I could sing and I'm like, uh, I can't really sing. I can hold a note. Sure. So it was working with those kids and having the experience with them learning new types of music and from classical to spirituals to what's out, you know, they learned, they learned a plethora of things. And at the time, one of my coworkers in that job was Anthony White with, and he's uh, with the Detroit Youth Choir. So okay. we all just had this strong foundation with working with kids. I went from there. I got my first, my not my first, but my next job because of that job, which was an, a, an after school enrichment teacher for the YMCA when it was on Seven Mile and Lasher. Okay. I'm sorry, Lasher. Uh, <laughs> That's right, Lasher. <laughs> you knew you were from day. Detroit when. <laughs> Yes. Right though, seven mile lasher, baby. Yeah, that's so, right. Uh, I got a job with being they they wanted a a music teacher. And I'm like, I can't really, but I can keep the kids engaged and we can learn some stuff. And then went from there to being a summer day camp counselor to just my whole time working has been working with kids. So with the YMCA, that's what got me into working with schools because mm-hmm. of their before and aftercare program. That's okay. how I got into university prep. I found out that I could be a substitute teacher and make some good money. Sure. And my school was right around the corner. So I was like, perfect. And I worked all of the kids, a lot of the kids I already worked with in the from the YMCA. So it was just like a perfect mesh. And that's where I was, I saw like the engagement that I had with the kids mm-hmm. in after school program and through summer day camp versus their engagement when they're in a classroom and I noticed it was a huge almost like rift like it wasn't like torture but I could just I've seen them on the other side I just really believe that engagement could live in a classroom too right they're just connected they'll be engaged and just as excited as they are when we're playing uh capture the flag there was a time I was doing a math lesson and I noticed that some older kids they didn't know like they they couldn't recall their multiples. And I'm like, you don't know your three? Mm-hmm. Like, what's what's going on? So that's where the the idea just smacked me in the head. I believe at that time, I think Drake had just came out with his first mixtape. All the kids were talking about this was like when mixtapes had made its famous comeback because it was like online mixtapes. Okay. And that piff and all that stuff. I was like, I could make something where the kids they know the hooks of all the songs right. i can make something where it merges the math with the hook formula which the hook formula to me a lot of the modern more modern rap is almost nursery rhyme formula and you yes. look at that look at that in like a bad way or is that ingenious because everybody remembers the songs you right know? so i was like okay if i can do that then i know i got them in terms of you're learning without knowing that you're learning. And you've got to get the engagement somehow. And yeah. the yeah. in the history of music, especially popular music, has always been the hook. Yep. Always been the hook. Yep. So if you look at Motown, we are from Detroit. So if you yep. look at Motown, everything has a hook. And if it didn't yep. have the hook, if it didn't have the James Jamerson bass line on it that hooked you in the beginning, it had some mm-hmm. other kind of hook on it. So yep. Yep. you know, yep. there yep. you know, that's how it works. Yep. So I, I get that. That's wonderful. 
that you figured that out and that you were able to do that. What your sister's credit too for saying, we'll make a song about it. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, my uh, no, mom, she was like, let's make this, make this song. I still remember the song. It was super corny, but I remember the song. I remember the tune of the song. Like it stuck with me because mm-hmm. I had, I made a connection on my own. Let's it hear it. Worst. Uh, What's the tune okay. of the song? You remember the song? Yeah. Okay. And I can't remember all of the words now. Sure. I can sure. remember most of them. My mama told me it's time to do math. I said, nah, ma, I'd rather do rap. I think math is really square, but if you ask me, I really don't care. Mm-mm. I think it was like some character stuff right there. Try hard. If you keep working, you could really go far. Three, six, nine, twelve, fifteen, eighteen, twenty-one, twenty-four, twenty-seven, thirty, thirty-three, thirty-six. And the my trumpet was dan, 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 okay. Now that I think about it, it was almost like a 20s, like Heidi Ho. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, it, that's awesome. Because for me, it was a schoolhouse rock. 3, yeah. 6, 9, 12, 15, 18, 21, 24, 27, yep. 30, 33, 36. Yep. <laughs> you know, that was how I remembered it. Yep. So it, it, it makes perfect sense. So that that's it's just nice to see that how art, over time is still alive and present yeah. and and shapes the world we live in now and shapes the world we lived in the past and it's carried through sound over time timeless and it's amazing yeah it's amazing if we go back even further i'm sure there was somebody else that had something back in the day yep. that was that we don't even know about because yep. those people are gone now you yeah. know, yep. but it's just cool. And then because the technology is so much bigger and stronger now mm-hmm. that it'll this will carry over for a lot longer. Yeah, so. I, I just I try to just have the mindset of always keeping the kids first. And I just always hope that whatever I create, that's timeless, that it doesn't like it's not like trendy, but it's like timeless where it could be listened to 20 years down the line and there could still be a connection to it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like with the words, now the math, it seems almost a little bit easier to do the math because mm-hmm. it, it's rhythmic and it can fit in the beats and it can, you can just put those numbers in mm-hmm. and it's easy to remember the numbers, but with the words, because you're talking about, what are the linking words? Is it words? Sight words. Sight words. Yep. Now, what's explain what sight words are? So, sight words are like my first mixtape was the first one hundred sight words that early readers should know. Okay. And the thing with sight words is they don't really follow the phonetic rules mm. um, of sounding them out. So you have to know them off of sight. You I know? see. So. But there's so many of them. They're like the links in all of the words that, or, or in the text that, like, if you're reading a text, you would still need to know those sight words along with the ones that have the blends and that you can sound out and things like that. So they break the phonics rules. Okay. Yep. Those are the sight words. So phone, because yep. <clears throat> pH and mm-hmm. those kinds of words yep. would fall into that. Or are they smaller than that? I think now, don't, I don't want to start lying because the English language is like the most ridiculous language to me in terms of all of the trick rules and right. 
like that. Yeah. The F and the PH and yeah, right. it, it's just it's so much to it. But when I was doing the sight word mixtape, there were a lot of sight words that I didn't even realize were sight words. Okay. Because the the English language was just it's it's so complex. I'll put it like that. Yeah, you know, so because complex. there's so many different mixed. Yeah. We've got Spanglish. <laughs> yeah. We've got just got all the little phrases and things that are colloquial for each region. You've yeah. got things from the South that people say that they say up here and then they get switched when they get up here. So it's half Southern, half mm-hmm. Northern. You've got yeah. stuff from other countries Germany. over the place. Yeah. Yeah. So we got Germanic roots. We mm-hmm. have stuff from England. It's just, it's, yeah. So yeah, it's a gumbo. It's definitely a gumbo. Yeah, Yeah, I I found out recently that in the black community, a lot of people say "axe" instead of "ask," Mm -hmm. and I found that is actually correct in Old Middle English in the Anglo-Saxon tradition. They would say "axe." That is Mm -hmm. actually correct. Yep. So I said that is that's crazy. But that actually is, English is like our language is Ebonics. You yes. Know, because we've taken things and we've changed it and switched it and made it our own. Mm-hmm. You know, or they made it their own. Whoever made it their own. Yeah, that's true. For all and you have bits and pieces of words. Yep. And words that we've completely grabbed, like garbage is French. Yep. And I'm not saying for anybody listening that I'm not saying that French is garbage, but (laughs) the word garbage is a French word. Garage is a French word. And Detroit is a French word. It should be Detroit and Gradiat (laughs) is grash it or it's people don't know how to say it when they live here. And so there's a lot of words that way and yeah it's a crazy language just because of that so and it's always evolving always evolving so and then artists like us we create new words out of those old words just just because we're cool like that (laughs) (laughs) so so when you have all these rappers and hip-hop artists they will make up new words that mean things that i have I'm admitting my age. There's a lot of things. I don't know what they're saying. I really yep. don't <laughs> yep. because I don't understand the dialect that they're speaking in because mm-hmm. I don't speak that dialect because I don't yep. come from that age. Yep. And it makes me language. crazy. Yep. It's like there's an old movie called airplane, which you, you probably have seen because you're yep. old enough to have at least seen that. Yep. Uh, from blockbuster. Yeah. And it is one of those things. And they, and they say they have the two black guys talking in jive. They call, do you speak jive? <laughs> it was like, it's the same thing. Yeah. So it's pretty amazing in, to keep up with that and to actually be able to make that into an instrumental or musical thing uh, yeah. to keep children engaged. So I think that's wonderful that you're doing it. Thank you. And I think you're doing it really well. Because some Thank stuff you. I've heard that I just, a lot of that kind of hip hop, because that's the thing. When I grew up, it wasn't hip hop; it was rap. Yeah. And then it somehow turned to hip hop. So I don't know when that transition happened exactly. <laughs> it, it was actually flip flop. It was hip hop, okay. uh, and then the the terms of rap came into play, which was more mainstream. I see. And that's why. A lot of people were more familiar with rap than hip hop and the five elements of hip hop and all that stuff. 
Okay, because yeah. yeah, I just didn't understand. Because for me, I had always heard rap first, yeah. and then it became hip hop. Yeah. Okay, because <laughs> you know, if you if you go way back, it was Louis Jordan. Louis Louis Jordan did rap back in the forties. Oh yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, I just got hip to that. Yeah. Yeah. So it, yep. and then the stuff that like you were saying, Hattie Ho, and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. That there was some rap in there too. So yep, it goes back. <laughs> it yep. goes back far. It's innate. Yep. Yeah. So and it even goes back further than that if you listen to the African griots. Mm-hmm. That was a rap. It was a poetry. It was a storytelling. It was rap. So it just goes back and back and back. Most and it's not just on the black side too, because in Middle England they had the folks that went through the oh I can't think of the term the minstrels would go through. Okay. And minstrels don't mean the same thing then as they meant right. in the South here in the eighteen hundreds. Okay. They went through and they played music, but they weren't dressed in back face. So <laughs> there's just this whole <laughs> so there's all these connections through the arts that you just don't realize that we all in different parts of the world have the same things and that we're all connected. So it's lovely to see that as long as you're using it for good, (laughs) it doesn't really matter where you come from or, and that they're all connected. Yeah. That all these different things are connected together and I'm rambling, uh, (laughs) but (laughs) it's supposed to happen. It's not rambling at all. (laughs) Okay. So now you've, started teaching you started to do did the mixtape first then you started to do the sight words so what are you looking at next so like right now i've always is it's always been like a dream to recreate what impacted me at a young age because i was that type of kid like my imagination very super active and like when i would watch certain shows that helped to spur my imagination, you know, it left a a huge imprint within me. So I'm trying to, it's almost like in a world where imagination is almost useless now because everything is put right before you. And there's no hate on technology at all, but we have kids that are growing up swiping and see pretty much any form of artistry or whatever. I just want to help through the arts help children to experience what I experienced through what will be called now vintage PBS. Yes. So a lot of my music, some people have noticed it's educational and then it's, it's there's all type of messages floating through the song. There's character mm-hmm. building stuff. There's um, exploratory messages. There's imagination stuff. There's just, a bunch of things so that if ha- if I had the opportunity, a lot of my songs off the site were mixtape. Have songs about skateboarding. Have okay. songs about riding bikes. Have songs about flying on a rocket ship. Have mm-hmm. songs about what to do when it's raining outside. Mm. I purposefully merged those thoughts and ideas together because it's all about childhood. For some people, they'll be like, that's a bit too much. You should just stick to the sight words. And I can respect that. But what I did was, I just think about the totality of a child. And if I can merge the excitement of riding a skateboard or the excitement of going to the library, along with the excitement of learning to read, Mm 
mm-hmm. then there's not a divide between yes. the excitement of learning. I like I, I really want to try to be a tool to help to create lifelong learners. And if at age four you're listening to the music and you're excited, just as excited about reading as you are about exploring or finding out something new or riding a bike or learn riding a skateboard those two kind of are on an even playing ground sure i think that as you get older like you're looking at education through a different scope Mm -hmm. Um, like it's fun it's electrifying it's cool it's i'm expanding my mind and that's cool you know not exactly i have to learn how to do Oh man, I gotta read this book. Oh man, I have to do this. Yeah, I'm learning something new. And that's what I'm trying to. I'm not, I'm not saying that kids out here aren't like that. I'm just saying I just wanna be a tool to help push that and further it more. Sure, sure. You've got all those test cases at home. Hey, you best believe it. I'll be like, now listen to this. I'll put it on in a car. Yep. And I, I can, they'll let me know immediately if it's hot or if it's a flop. Will let me know. What are the ages of your children? So All right. Got... So right now we until September we're in stair step mode. So okay. we are four, and then we go to seven, eight, nine. Okay. Four, <laughs> seven, eight, nine. All right. September and October, the oldest two, my quote unquote Irish twins, who will be aging up. And then okay, there's a little gap. And they'll let me know. Yep, I, I sure was test, especially the math mixtape when that first came out. I think they were like three and four, something like that. Sure, I'm like oh, this really does work. Like just singing the twos, they didn't know that they were learning like, it. Their multiples, they were just singing a song. I was like, right, it works, it works, it works. Yep. <laughs> so then you just ask them what's three times three, and they'd be able to tell you. So my son who is in the, he's going to fifth, but in the third grade, he made that connection. Okay. I was like, E, three times six, just sing the three song and count how many times you do it. Like three, six. Oh, three times two is six. And he will start to right. make those connections. But right. on my end as an artist, what I'm pushing for now is to create more, tools to show that connection yes so i have a song and then working on like digital worksheets and things of that like all of that stuff is in play now so that they can really make that connection sure quicker. yeah yeah that's fabulous yeah yeah that's... and stuff like that that will help make that connection so it's like the beginning mixtapes are more like so the ages are from what from three to Seven, six. I would say that. So originally, okay, I was going to make the mixtape, and it was going to be multiples. I think it was like two to six or something like that. It was going to be real small. Mm-hmm. I was having so much fun doing it. By the time we finished, and this was ridiculous. I don't even know why, it's, but I went up to like multiples of fifteen. Yeah, I, I noticed that. <laughs> All the way up to 15. I'm like, hey, they're going <laughs> to be in love with numbers or patterns <laughs> of numbers or whatever. But yeah, it went all, over, it went all the way up. I've had parents. I've had high school students. I've had middle school students. Hey, 
I listening to because I really didn't know my nines and I really didn't know my twelves and so I originally made it just for like my elementary sure. school students, but whoever needs help with it, you know. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So the next levels, then maybe you send up for the adult education programs, you know, GED students and things like that, because I can see that being super. Yeah. <laughs> Write it down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that's a wonderful idea. And also English as a second language. Yeah, and that's confirmation. Someone was just telling me that when they yeah. heard the site were mixtape he's going i think for his doctorate he was like yo man it'll be dope if you do this for esl i was like i never even thought of that but yeah yeah esl and and even just kids learning so you can do it both ways you can have english to a different language and then that language to english for kids learning other languages because that's something in the united states we don't have yeah and we should I keep thinking about Detroit in general. I moved back to Detroit and it's only been two years since I moved back to this area Mm -hmm. um, from Lansing. Yeah. Uh, And prior to that, I was in New York for a long time. But we don't have that cross-cultural language learning thing happening. We just don't because we were Americans. We we get that that attitude that we don't have to do that because we're Americans. I'm like, no, we should be doing that because we're in the world culture. Wouldn't it be great if Detroit became the multi-language capital of the world? Wouldn't that be great if we had something like that? Yeah. So we need to be something else. (laughs) So maybe it's that. Maybe we're the arts capital. Maybe we're the multi-language capital maybe we're the making it happen uh cross-culturally capital of some way that's one of the reasons i started this podcast because i want to talk to the artists because we have the ideas and we're the makers yeah when you start to work on that stuff i definitely want to be involved most definitely (laughs) and i'm gonna hold you to it because i'm most definitely going to reach out yeah yeah, and I think that would be fabulous to be able to do some of that stuff. Yeah, because there's, I just think there's so many ways to help a lot of people learn in a way that's going to be fun for them. Right. And it, it, you know, there's so many people who come here and they, they never learn how to speak the language very well. Yeah. And if you put music to it, it's going to help so much. Yep. It's going to help so much. Um, so. I, I wanted to, like, I couldn't take the name because it was a group that Buster Rhymes was in back in the day but i think that where we're at in the city when you mentioned the arts capital really made me think about the term the leaders of the new school i believe that the stuff like this is like reimagining what learning looks like reimagining what engagement in learning looks Mm -hmm. and imagining what classroom environments look like where we're at right now is we're literally reimagining what classroom environments look like and how it's almost endless to what you can do now because you're not just in the traditional classroom setting mm-hmm. in the school and the teacher standing before you. Now my teachers are in front of on my laptop and that's familiar terrain for me as a kid because it's just what I've grown up with. I've grown right. up with my phone and laptops and tablets. So now mm-hmm. we're on an even playing field. Now my teacher is learning from me. I'm more hip to the virtual world than my teacher is just reimagining what 
learning and education. It's like it's even though the circumstances are bad, but it's it's also an exciting time to see like this whole shift in what the world looks like and what learning looks like and the new learners, the new world changers, like what what can come about now, you know? I yeah. think that we are like the leaders of the new school and not putting education and learning in a box. Yeah. The thing that I'm excited about is I'm not excited about this COVID thing because we can only do this mostly online. That I'm not excited about. I am excited that it opened up this whole new world of doing that because we were already moving that direction for us old timers. We were moving that way, but it was slow. It was going to be 10 years. Easy. Mm -hmm. Now it's right now. So we didn't have 10 years. Yep. Yep. They yep. have 10 years. And so it's like, okay, I'm trying to be an early adopter, trying to get in there. I'm on this. I got a podcast. I've got these programs that I'm not quite sure how to make them work. As you know, <laughs> for those of you listening, we did try to have this meeting two days ago and yeah. <laughs> everything crapped out on us. So we tried again today and I think we got to figure it out today. Yeah. But, yeah. So all of us are moving more rapidly than we've ever had to, to before. And Most definitely. it's, yeah, it's an amazing time. It's an amazing yeah. time. So how have you guys been dealing with the whole COVID thing? You mean my household? At your house. Woo. So it's been a journey, but fortunately, and for some, they will look at it as fortunately, we have four kids. Mm-hmm. So when it first started, it was like, it was like Lord of the Flies for the work computer. <laughs> It's like, I have to be on a Zoom meeting. No, daddy, I have to be on a Zoom meeting. I have to go to Google Classroom. I have to be on a Zoom meeting. Yes. I was going to get the laptop first uh, <laughs> until uh, <laughs> we got some laptops from the schools and stuff like that. And, and it was just reframing time together and mm-hmm. working from home and the new busy. You know, I work in admin for a school. My, my uh, wife works in admin for, she's a vice principal at a school. I'll say it like this. I loved it because I felt that I was missing so much of my children's lives because it was just basically like we were the McAllister's on home alone when they're trying to get to the airport every morning. That's <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Who's taking the guy? Okay, I got the kids. All right, come on. First stop. <laughs> basically like a tuck and roll so I can sure. get to work on time. And yeah. I'm picking them up late because I have to stay to work later to make sure everybody's out of the boat. It's just like, I imagine just feel like I'm missing so much. Come mm-hmm. home, eat dinner. Do you homework? Do you homework? Do you homework? Bedtime. Just back at it again. Right. Um, but I got a chance. Our family nights because... I'm usually the guy that's, let's go here, let's go here, let's go here, let's go here. And it, it taught, it showed me another part of living, which is like a homebody. Like we, we just got a new house. And if it wasn't for, we wouldn't have been in a house. We would have been out somewhere, you know, but sure. just enjoying our home, enjoying our time together, playing outside, riding bikes, taking walks, like, yeah you know, like consistently taking walks, like yeah. what? Yeah. You know? But it's like, shoot, we're going to do something because we're going to go stir crazy in this house. Let's take sure. a walk. So we've been spending more quality time together and then just adjusting though, like to the whole Zoom life and just meeting virtually and setting parameters in the house. Mm-hmm. So, okay. When mommy and daddy are in a meeting, 
you all have to be doing this during the school time. Make sure that your Google Classroom your stuff is done, that you turned it in. Or wait before you turn it in and let us look over it. <laughs> right, right. Before you submit it. Uh, just staying focused. And it's just been, it's been a huge adjustment, but we've been eating better at home and spending more time. And I can't complain about that. The circumstances, it really sucks, but right. I can't complain that I'm able to see my kids and see my wife more than what I was able to in the past. Mm -hmm. So that's the plus side for me. Yeah. So you think that we will ever go back to how it was before, like in 2021? You think it'll ever be the same? Nah. Nope. Yeah. I think that the world is striving to what? I think there's a divide. There's like the forward thinkers that are like, you all keep trying to go back to normal, but there is no normal. Like we're right. not going back to that. So it's okay. What is it going to look like? Mm -hmm. and the, like the forward thing. And I think a lot of it, it, it does have to do with the arts and cause I, I like the arts play a huge part in every big movement mm -hmm. of the world soundtrack to the next phase of the world. And it's exciting to see. I think it's scary for a lot of people because it's like you're trailblazing. You don't know which, exactly which way to Right, go. right. So, uh, I think that is like the unsure part and where people are apprehensive. Mm -hmm. No, I don't think. That's my long way of saying, no, I don't think that we'll return. Yeah, I don't think we will either. I think we're really we're in it now yeah. and we have to own it. And, and personally, just again, like doing this podcast for me is yeah. a big leap. Yeah. It's a big leap yeah. because it's, this is not what I trained for <laughs> at right. all. You right. know, and there's a lot of hums and ahs and, but it's okay. It, it's yeah. take the leap and you feel good about it. And you're saying the things that you always wanted to say. And yeah. I've been very excited about things like, have you seen that program called Masterclass? That is a subscription service. Uh -huh. And I would have died to get that when I was 15. Yep. When I just started reading plays and I just started really watching movies seriously. And I yeah. just started understanding how things work and how things get together and how these directors do this thing and how the lighting on this is this way. And when I, and I recently had a subscription to masterclass and I was just watching uh -huh. these things and like, you guys are awesome <laughs> because you don't know this stuff. You don't know yeah. you can do this. Yeah. You, you don't know that they're just people and that yeah. you can do this and that you are doing these things already. Yeah. You don't know that until you like sit and watch people and understand how it works, and that they yeah. have the same fears and the same goals and the same uh, trepidations and the same problems. Yeah. You don't realize that they're real people because you just, you see them on TV and you think they're not real people, but they are. Yeah. And even yeah. as an adult, you still think that. And even like, I, I try to be open to learn from my kids as much as possible. And my youngest son, he's into son Disney Plus, Life at the Zoo, I think it's called. Okay. Animal Lover. Mm -hmm. And he was just telling me about all the different species of animals that's at the Columbus Zoo and the different animals, what's going on and who's going to surgery for what. And he was like, Dad, look. I think it was a polar bear had a messed up molar or something. And they had to have this, this dentist 
the specialized mm. dentists come in. Like, yeah, dad, I think that's cool. And I'm like, as a kid, I would have never even conceptualized being a vet veterinary Ex veterinary yeah. dentist. Yeah, exactly. Like, what? Like yeah. a dentist for animals? Who knew that existed? Exactly. A, yeah, but like just even through things like that, like just being open and me being open to expanding my children's minds on yep, those professions that are like those staples profession. Like those are cool, but expand and think. And mm -hmm. then like me, even more so like when my kids are saying, hey, I want to do this, and it may sound a little wild or it's not in the box or the norm, like, well, let's research that. Let's see what it takes to be a dentist for a polar bear. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. And I yeah. would, I still would never have thought of that. Yeah. That's the first I've ever heard of that. But yeah, that makes sense. But wow. <laughs> it was that show, uh, Dirty Jobs. Uh -huh. The world's dirtiest jobs or something. Yep. And so those are all real things. Yeah. There's a guy that scuba dies in the sewers of Paris in the dark through literally through excretion. That's crazy. You're like, really? <laughs> <laughs> How do you even train What's for that? <laughs> Qualification. <laughs> <laughs> but, at the, uh, but think about that. You're scuba diving through that yeah but you're in pitch black with no air so you in the machine you, you, you've got your scuba gear on and stuff and you're in the dark for hours and hours i'm sure he makes millions of dollars to do it because oh, nobody goodness. can do it there's only six or seven people in the world who can do it or something like that wow can you imagine being that dedicated to your craft <laughs> to go do that it's like, yes, you get paid, but you have yes. to survive it. <laughs> oh, definitely dedication. <laughs> yeah. So it's, that's amazing. But yeah. again, who would have ever thought that's a job? Yep. That's insane. I would be the person who, I want to figure out how to make a robot that does that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want yep. to be down there. Yep. But just the fact that the person does it now, at some point, there will be somebody saying, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to make the robot. Yeah. So that's a whole nother thing. Yeah. Because somebody did that, there's going to be another person to figure out how to go to the next level of that. Yeah. I'm and, just thinking, I'm looking at it now. I don't know why this late connection, but I'm like, in February, I would have never been thinking about doing an interview mm -hmm. like this. In February, just a few months ago. This wouldn't have been like, it would have been like, okay, what time do I have to meet at this place yes. or this location? Yes. And I have to wear this and I have to be mic'd up. Is the wind going to be blowing? Yeah. Is it indoor or outdoor? Do we right. have the lighting? And it's just, we're just sitting in various parts of our homes and... Just chatting. Yeah. Yep. It's amazing. Amazing. Yep. Yeah, because I remember having to go to interviews at radio stations and that's the only place yep. you could really go do this. Now I, I have a radio station in my phone <laughs> or my laptop. That's insane. <laughs> yep. I'm really grateful for it. <laughs> yeah. Really grateful for it. So I'm, I'm interested to see what's going to happen with this in the arts. What are artists going to keep coming up with? There's going to be more and more yeah. stuff that no one, wow, I didn't know you could do that. So somebody's going to see this thing and then they're going to go, oh, wait, I can do this. And then there's, yep. it's going to just grow. And there's collaborations happening just because of that. You don't even yeah. know you're collaborating, but you are collaborating with other people yeah. when you see these things. 
And then you say, yeah. I'm going to expand on that. And that excites me. And I'm just like, my whole life, I have been trying to find people to get together and have what they used to call salons and get together. And oh, yeah, once yeah. a month, and you have a potluck and you have some wine and you talk about what are you working on? What are you doing? Yeah. What does it look like? What are you painting? What are you writing? Share a piece of your novel, right? Play a yeah. part of your tune. That used to happen. It doesn't happen yeah. anymore. Uh, but now that's it is true. because it's happening yeah. like this. And yeah. that's really cool. So I, I'm just excited to see. You're about a generation behind me. So I just mm-hmm. go, I'm excited to see what people who are younger than me are doing. So I'm like, yes, there's hope. (laughs) You You literally took the word like from my last interview that I did. And it was with a friend of mine, Darrell, goes by Red. He's a director with the Detroit Symphony Orchestra's Civic Youth Jazz Ensemble. Okay. He brought one of his students, 16-year-old, and just to hear her perspective on music and how it uh connects with life and to hear her passionately play i believe it was a violin and that's what that's literally what i said i said there is hope yes there's hope like to see the spark in that young lady and to hear her just how she made connections between life and jazz music and i was like wow that's that's dope like i'm so happy it's it's amazing. And I'm so yeah. excited to hear that they have a jazz orchestra now because when I was in the second year that they started the Detroit Symphony Civic Orchestra uh-huh. as a violinist, the second violins. Okay. And, and that was back in 80, I want to say 83, <laughs> 82, 83, oh, wow. 1883. Yeah. It was the second year it was in existence. Wow. And they didn't have a jazz anything. So I was a string player, but I'm just like, I'll just play the string stuff. And I loved it, but I ended up doing jazz later. But yeah. at the time, it was like, I'll just play the same thing I play all the time. You know? <laughs> so it's, it's exciting to me that it's expanded that far. Yeah. That it's still yeah. there and it's going that strongly. So, Because so many other symphonies have gone down. Yeah. A lot of the, the dime school of music just went down. It's gone now. I think it went down last year. Yeah. And that was the new school. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So there's just things in the symphony orchestras all over the country that have disappeared in the last five years. They're just gone forever. We have a vibrant scene here and people don't realize it because all you hear in the news is Detroit is murder capital of the world again. Yeah, 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 yeah. But there's so much more going on than that. So much more to us than that. You know, and we're, we're, we're proof of that. That's why we're having this podcast. (laughs) to talk about that (laughs) talk to people here talk to people in other parts of the country and see what's going on what's going on i have a couple of questions i wrote them down here that i want to maybe they're not really a speed round but they're things i'm going to ask everybody at least once what is something that you would tell your 20 year old self or your 15 year old self that you know Mm -hmm. now that you didn't know then? My 15 year old self, I was just growing to understand this, but I would say this to myself anyway, is to embrace your inner weirdo. I hope that didn't sound creepy. No, it doesn't. Embrace, (laughs) (laughs) embrace, embrace your difference. It's okay to be a weirdo (laughs) and roll with it. Everybody may not get it, but there are a lot of people 
that will appreciate you just being your authentic self. Yes. Okay. Good answer. (laughs) All right. What, let's see, role models. So I want a role model from when you were 10, a role model from when you were 15, a role model from when you were 20, or and a role model now. All right. So a role model when I was 10, that would put me in about fifth grade, fifth grade, 88. Uh, so I would say that would probably be, it was, I would say a tie between my dad and Isaiah Thomas. Okay. That was when the Pistons. That's we, cool. Yeah. We were, we were Pistons rocking. were doing their thing. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, 15, 15, I expanded. I wouldn't say it was a role model. (laughs) So 15, it would be probably, I was going to say like Biggie or somebody, Camp Low, when they came out with this is, it wasn't like a mentor, but it was, I would say they created something that is, they took that from your own community pirate. This is it. Well, so, something yeah, set you right off. That was a pivotal <laughs> point. Yeah. And you said 20? Yeah. So 20, 20 it was, and I cannot remember his name. Oh, man. But it was a professor at Wayne State. It was, I think it was radio and television. And he just opened my eyes to media and uh-huh. the power of media. And how you should second guess pretty much every don't just take in and he just went through how people believe like back in the day like with the newspapers and the radio like everything that was said was gospel and there's a bigger agenda at hand and that just had my brain firing like what oh wow what's going on and i was looking (laughs) up stuff i think i'm trying to think it was still i think a lot of dial-up internet so it was still like looking up stuff "Ah." (laughs) yeah (laughs) enter 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 but yeah i'm so mad i cannot remember his name but like even the way that he presented it was very artistic he didn't present in his class like my other professors which were like very quote-unquote professory yes he just came out look i'm a brother from detroit you know (laughs) look we're about to sit down he didn't care who was in the room he was his authentic self and he was saying it how he wanted to say it he was giving us the, the lesson, how he felt that it should be given. It wasn't like you didn't know what to expect from class to class, which kind of kept you on edge. He wasn't right. afraid to push you into an uncomfortable place of conflict or growth. So sure. I really, I really made a connection with that class. Professor Todd Duncan. Oh, okay. He really opened my mind to Detroit and the richness of Detroit and the history of the city and okay. uh, the press and the books and all of the writers, Hastings Street. And so, yeah, that was a pivotal point in my life. All Professor right. Todd Duncan. That's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Oh, I meant to talk to you too about the, didn't you have an Emmy nomination for your show? I did. That still hasn't sunk in yet. Yeah, <laughs> I did. So tell me about that. What was going on with that? How'd that happen? The Emmy... So I have 
a great opportunity to partner with the city of Detroit's media department. And they're at, they are the reason that my first episode of the Mr. E show came out. We did that on an absolute $0 budget. Okay. And, um, just some great stuff happened from it. And we ended up, we submitted for Emmy and we got nominated. And wow. I still, I'm like, wait a minute. I keep forgetting this is an Emmy nominated program. <laughs> yeah, it was so big. When I found out, I was floored. And I think too, the reason that I was floored is because it happened in the way that I wanted it. Because even though we're in a modern time, my inspirations were from like public access television sure. where you had the Fred Rogers and the Mr. Dress Ups from the Canadian broadcast. Mm -hmm. You had all of these things that were just on public access television. Right. And they did world changing stuff. And I, I was like, man, that doesn't happen nowadays anymore. It's not like you were trying to get on a public access television show or whatever, but it ended up happening and it made moves. And I was just... I am so grateful that we were even nominated. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> How do you forget that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, 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 you have to start with that. You have to lead with that. <laughs> I, that's what I have to learn to do. To lead with that one. That yes, I have a uh, Emmy-nominated television show that I produced, directed, created, whatever. All of the things that you've done, written, performed, and my kids are in it. My neighbor, all these things. So pretty amazing. It's a costume design, right? <laughs> so that is a pretty fabulous thing. What made you? Even you just said, okay, we've got this opportunity to do a TV show. And when you thought about it, like, how did you sit down and go, how do I make this work? Did you write a script out first or did you have script writers or? Yeah, I'm doing better. We took this Kobe assessment that kind of like determines like your intuition and in, in approaching things. Sure. And like with my work teams, I'm always like on the opposite end of the spectrum of everyone else and I've taken it multiple times and I always end up on the opposite end of the spectrum. I'm saying that to say that I have tried and attempted to create multiple scripts and there's always like bullet points of ideas of the scripts but I mm -hmm. took those bullet points and I gave it I gave some of those ideas to the city of Detroit's media department a big shout out to Joe Harris and Becky Smith and Chris Mosley. Chris Mosley wrote the script, but we just did a huge brain dump and we okay. just went through, oh, and Joanna, and we, we went through all of the ideas and just talked about what it could be, what could we possibly do, what the production would look like. And the whole time I'm still just sitting there, is this actually happening? Because mm -hmm. a lot of people, and I know that you probably are super familiar with this, like when you're in the arts, sometimes you just have those opportunities that are always coming and they'll promise you the world. And yes. Like, oh yeah, I'm going to do this for you. Yeah, I'm gonna, we're going to go to the top of the mountain, son. You know, just follow me. See? Yeah, just come down like, what? <laughs> nah, yeah. Like, do it. If not, just right. don't do that. So um, it was just amazing to me that this was actually it was happening and mm -hmm. yeah we just we took our ideas chris took them and he created just a wonderful script talking about going to imagination land and okay just sparking that food for thought again in our young kids you know mm -hmm. 
Yeah. yeah. That's lovely. That's lovely. Yeah, that's inspiring. So I, I was proud of you. <laughs> what do you want to leave as a legacy for your children? What do you want them to know from you? That's a great question. One of the reasons that I'm actually doing all of this, a legacy has been left. One thing that I want my kids to know is that you can always be a light no matter how dark the world gets. Mm-hmm. And you work at it, just don't give up. And you can um, help somebody else. It's so easy in the world that we live in to be selfish, but I'm really pushing to help my children understand the art of selflessness and giving and not giving because it's trendy, but just like having a giving heart and being a light. And if it's done correctly, somebody is going to take that and they're going to pass that on. Yeah, being a light and being selfless and I know we're talking about the arts, but like the art of just being an authentic giver. Sure. I think that's something that I would, I'm working to. Yeah, I got super somber on that question. (laughs) It it was a beautiful sentiment and you said it really well. And thank you so much, Emmanuel, so much. And where can we find you online? I have Mr. E and the D.com. I also have a Bandcamp page where it's Mr. E in the D, the number one dot bandcamp.com. And I also have a YouTube page where it, you can search Mr. E in the D, all one word. Okay. And you can find some videos and stuff like that. Yep. All right. So I'll make sure that it, we get it all in the, the show notes and okay. all your contact information. Cool. So thank you so very much for giving us your, your time and your wonderful energy and your arts thank and your skill. And I appreciate it. And thanks for joining us on uh, Tia Time with the Artist. Thank you for joining us this week on Tia Time with Artist. Make sure to visit our website, tiaviolin.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes and never miss an episode. Please leave us a rating wherever you listen to podcasts. We really appreciate your comments and will mind them to bring you more amazing episodes. I would like to thank this inaugural season sponsors, the folks at Jazz Lines of Bend, Michigan or JAM. Michigan Art Share, a program of Michigan State University Extension, is a partner in supporting the Tia Time podcast and Sham Bones Music. Without their support, this podcast would not be possible. Thank you so much. If you would also like to contribute to the show, you can find us on Patreon.com. If you want to continue the conversation about topics discussed in the show or start new ones with like-minded people, join us at the Tia Time Lounge on Facebook. Thank you for listening. See you next week at Tia Time Thank you for joining us this week on Tia Time with Artists. Make sure to visit our website at tiaviolin.com where you can subscribe to the show and never miss an episode. Please leave us a rating at Apple Podcasts to expand the reach of the show. We really appreciate that help. And we'd also like to say thank you so very much to our sponsors, Michigan ArtShare, a program of Michigan State University Extension, and Cold Plunge Records. 
and also all of our Patreon supporters. We couldn't do it without you. Thank you. We'll see you next week at Tea Time.